This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This episode brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're driving, cleaning, and even exercising. But what if you could be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. And auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Multitask right now. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. This is Believe in Georgia Dogs podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. It's time to awaken an entire nation. I'll be your dog till I die. Nah. Between the hedges, look it fly. Nah. 90,000 in the stands, I'ma do my dance, make it look fly. Nah. Coach, put me in the game. Nah. UGA, yeah, the name. Nah. Yeah, the offense gonna turn up, but the defense gonna win us the game. Here's your host, Corey Burton. Welcome into the first edition of Hunker Down Monday on the Believe in Georgia Dogs podcast on the Believe Podcasting Network, the number one podcasting network for professionals. Question is, and this is on everybody's mind, do you believe? Well, I'm your host, Corey Burton, and I believe it's going to be a great episode because Mondays are for the dogs. You can listen to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or Stitcher. You can also uh, leave us a rating, give us some feedback, uh, and, and that's very important to me. Also, you can follow the show at Believe in Dogs on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. To spell that, that is at B-L-E-A-V-I-N-D-A-W-G-S. Again, follow the show. And if you want to advertise on the show, make sure you contact our team at Believe.com. For more details, they can they can help you out. So just uh, go to BLEAV.com, find at, find the link to advertise with us, and then uh, take it further there. They will they will help you out and get you a spot on the show. So in the very first edition of Hunker Down Monday, we welcome in uh, former walk on turned special teams ace Chad Glower. Uh, he played on the he played for the Dogs in 2006. All the way to 2010 was his senior year. Uh, he tells a lot of great stories about not only about how he got a, how he earned a scholarship and how he was told that he earned a scholarship in 2010, uh, but he also tells some great stories about Coach John Fabris, who I think is now at Kansas State. He also tells some stories about you know how he learned about what a preferred walk on was, how he chose that route. Um, kind of what daily life was. Uh, he talked about kind of what practice was like for a walk-on. So um, he also offers advice for people who want to be walk-ons. He will tell you. Uh, it, so if you're if you're somebody that's looking to walk on somewhere, if not Georgia, anywhere, um, Chad Glore leaves his contact information at the end of the interview. So make sure you reach out to him. He'll give you plenty of great advice on what the process is and, and what you're getting into. So without further ado, let's get into it. Let's see, let's hear from Chad Glore. And as always, go dogs. Chad, how you doing, man? Doing pretty good, Corey. I really appreciate you having me on here. Um, you know, 
always excited to talk Georgia football. Uh, so it's been a minute since my playing days, but you know, uh, the passion will never leave you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, you know, I coach and I still sometimes feel like I want to get out there and play. I just miss it so much. So, and I haven't played since 2002, so go figure, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, heck I'm, I'm looking up now and it's been 10 years. So it'd be exactly 10 years ago with me going into my senior season in 2010 and I was a fifth year. So it, uh, it still feels like it was just yesterday, um, you know, and I still keep up with, you know, some old teammates, but it's just crazy to think it's been a decade. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, that is a, that is quite a long time. So, so Chad, you, uh, you know, as I mentioned earlier, you're a walk-on, uh, walk-on earning a scholarship, which is not a usual path for, for college football athletes. Um, when you were coming out of high school, did you, what kind of offers did you have? Uh, why did you choose to walk on at UGA? Uh, yeah, that, and that's that's a really great question. Um, honestly, I had no idea. All, all I knew that I, was I wanted to keep playing football. And, and I actually, you know, coming from a UGA family, family, my dad, you know, he played in at UGA for a year in college. I, I was actually an Auburn fan, so I applied to two schools, Auburn and Georgia Southern. And uh, you know, one of my coaches said, "Well, you know, what about UGA?" And I was like, "Well, I don't, I don't think I can get in there academically." And so, uh, well, he said, there's this thing called preferred walk-on. You should check it out. So they offer seven spots a year. I'm sitting there thinking, well, you know, might as well. I got nothing to lose. So uh, I took that route, and they, they let me into the school. Um, I got very lucky to get one of those spots. And then from there, you know, it, it uh, I had no idea what I was walking into because, you know, just two years ago, I, I was, you know, or a year ago, I was still showing up to Georgia games, you know, having no idea that, you know, I could potentially play there one day. I mean, I had the confidence, but you know, you don't really realize it until you're actually there. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's surreal. It's a. It's different watching it from uh, from the stands than when you're when you're between the hedges. So, um, you mentioned a, a, a very specific term, preferred walk on. Now, what you know to the casual fan, a walk on's a walk on. They don't know the difference. Between oh, okay. The two. Yeah. No. So what, what's a what's a preferred walk on? And I'll say this now. You, you know I'm blunt, so I'll tell you. I remember turning to my dad and I said, "Well, I think this means that uh, they're not going to give me a scholarship, and I'm not smart enough to get into school, but they're going to let me in anyways if I play football." <laughs> and so, um, you, you know, that the, they uh, walk ons. You can have an unlimited amount of them. Not unlimited because you know you have to have a roster within the 125. But uh, preferred walk-ons, they, they only offer seven spots each year. And I'm not sure how that works. Uh, I honestly at first thought it was sketchy. I'm like, what's going on? And they're like, yeah, you're in school. And I'm like, all right, I'm coming. <laughs> <laughs> like, it, that's literally what happened. I, I don't really even – I'd have to go Google prefer, preferred walk-on to understand it. <laughs> yeah, it's just kind of like, okay, show up now. Show up this date and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get you started at practice. So what – you're, take me back to your very first practice. You're, you're, a, you're a preferred walk-on. You're, it's a summer. You, you don't know what's going on. It's kind of hit you like a blur. What was that first practice like? Oh, yeah, man. I mean, heck, I remember we showed up. Um, we went to a couple meetings, like walk-on meetings, because the other guys who are scholarship players, you know, they're going to their position meetings. But we had these walk-on meetings. And going into it, I remember uh, there was 25 guys walking on uh, in 2006. And, uh, you know, when I was going to practice before that, first of all, you, I was sharing a locker with another walk-on. So, you know, cause they had to figure out who was going to be on the team. It wasn't like uh, old school, they're cutting you, but 
they still, you know, you, you didn't get your own locker. And so uh, we went out to practice and I, I had the same numbers, uh, a guy named Chris Durham, who I'm actually pretty uh, close friends with um, to this day. But uh, I, 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 you know, it, nothing really happened the first practice. It was mo- mostly focused on, you know, looking at the new uh, scholarship players and things like that. And they had us do some stuff, but it kind of grew into, you know, that especially when we were entering the season but yeah coming in as a walk-on you're, you're kind of a uh, a nobody in the sense that yes you're very blessed to be there but you, you're you got to prove yourself um one way or another and one of those ways to do it is on scout team so did you did you take pride in playing scout team and did you play both sides of the ball on, on oh uh, yeah on scout I, I, I did whatever they asked me to do man I, I literally you know um i knew i knew what i was capable of um going in but at the same time you have your doubts when you're uh walking by you know guys in the locker room who, who are the same year as you guys like matt stafford asher allen geno atkins um and the list you know the list could go on of guys who are probably still playing in the nfl to this day yeah but, like geno atkins is considered i think the uh, outside of Aaron Donald, the best defensive tackle in, in the NFL. Oh, absolutely, man. And, heck, I, I, I uh, lost touch with Geno, but um, I, I saw him last year. But, yeah, he's a great guy. And I remember going into that. I mean, it's, it's intimidating. Um, it, it doesn't matter where or how good you think you were, you know, in high school and stuff like that. But it's very intimidating, especially when you're kind of the guy who, you know, wasn't really invited to the party. You just showed up and said, all right, <laughs> let's go. <laughs> Here I am, guys. Let's let's get this thing let's get this thing rolling. So, um, so in practice, did you did you have that welcome to the SEC moment early on? Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I remember I got, I got knocked out by a guy named Des Williams uh, pretty early yeah, on, and, and you know I was kind of uh, in a local level uh, notorious for hitting. But I remember I got hit one time, and I had never been hit like that before. But I got – and he, he picked me up, and he said, nice hit. And I said, okay. Like, no, it wasn't. I said, <laughs> Wait, I said, you knocked me out, what? But, yeah, no, no. So I, I got that. And then, you know, it really kind of evolved as time went on. Um, and I was still trying to embrace the, the college life because I'd never lived, you know, outside of my parents' house at that point. So I'm 18 years old right. walking into Athens, which is, like, the most fun city on the planet. So – you know, mm-hmm. you didn't know like what was going on. I didn't know, you know, do guys go out at night? Like I didn't know a lot of things. So, you know, and then I'm having to map out my classes and all this stuff. So yeah, it, it was a welcome to the SEC and welcome to Athens. Welcome to college. Welcome to yeah, all the world that, right? you want to call it. <laughs> yeah. Now that, you know, I know for me, academically, that first semester was an eye opener because, you know, I, I was someone that, you know, high school came very, very easy for me and uh, it just came, like I didn't really have to work all that hard in high school, and I get to college, and it's like a it's like a wake up call. I you know I almost you know I almost make a two point you know I'm I'm like barely above above water after my first semester. So I can only imagine you're a walk on, you're juggling football for the first time at, at that level, and and you got to take college level classes. So um, a lot of early mornings freshman year. Um, I, I don't know if that was the same for for you guys. Oh yeah, yeah it. Uh it's crazy thinking back, you know, um, just, you know, now it's almost 15, it's 14 years since I walked on in 2006, but it's crazy thinking back of all the things that, you know, were new to me that I had to, you know, go through. And I was kind of just following along with what the other guys did. And I became, you know, good friends with some of the guys on the team. Um, they're all super cool. Like you would have never known who, who like 
know Sean Marino, like if you met him in person, he's one of the coolest guys I've ever met in my life. So I, I literally was just following their lead on it um, and, and going from there. Absolutely. And that's a, uh, that's a great thing to have when you have, uh, you know, the scholarship players that are, that are embrace, uh, you know, they embrace the walk-ons and they embrace that whole team mentality. So, you know, as, as you kind of went through that first year, was there a moment where you kind of felt like, okay, I'm, I'm no longer anonymous. I'm kind of now part of the team and the guys kind of uh, accept me as, as here I am, you know, that's a good question, man. I mean, I, I love being a part of the team, but you know, I didn't go there to be a part of the team. I went there to play. And so for me, that, that was my, me personally, I had a conviction that I wanted to play. And so I remember, you know, nothing, not, not a whole lot happened my first year. Yeah. A lot happened, but nothing where I felt like, you know, I was going to have a chance. And then my second year, I remember coming home on one of the breaks and, you know, my parents found me Googling other schools. Um, I was planning on leaving Georgia. Um, and so it made me very bitter and angry in practice. And so I started, you know, mm -hmm. I, I started taking it out on people as in, you know, when, when you're supposed to go wrap up a guy, I would, you know, try to knock him out. And, uh, you know, I, I started the pot and, you know, eventually, a guy named John Fabers, who was the defensive end coach, uh, is hands down the best coach I've ever, not even the best coach, I would say, but one of the best people I've ever met in my life. He was crazy, but he, he knew, oh, yeah. he knew how to motivate me. And that made me, that kind of lit a fire under me when he, when he really was calling my name out in practice and saying stuff to me. And sometimes he was yelling at me, but a guy pulled me aside one time. He said, Hey, it's a good thing. If they're yelling at you, that means they know who you are. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And uh, somebody like Fab knows how to, uh, you know, channel that in energy. And, you know, what, what are some things he said to you to kind of get, you know, it's always good to play with a chip on your shoulder. So that might not be the right way to say it, yeah. but just kind of channel that energy into oh, he, uh, something a little bit more productive. He knew, like I said, he knew how to motivate people, but he would say things to me. And, and really, he, he would almost try to get to know you. He'd want to know why you were walking on. Like he, he didn't care if you were a three or four or five star or if you're a walk-on. Um, he actually took a special interest in some walk-ons because he wanted to know why you were there. Like, what's your purpose here? Do you want a jersey? Do you want a locker? And he would say very blunt things to your face. And yeah, sometimes, you know, he, he would go off on you. But uh, that's what motivated me. I was motivated by, you know, criticism and, you know, the, the things that most people or not most, I would say some guys might, you know, shy away from some guys, they don't do so well with people in their face, but I, I wasn't like that. I actually craved that, you know, I was there to, to, to you know, kind of prove him wrong and show him that, Hey, I, I, I want to play here. I do not want to just be a part of the team. Yeah. I, be I belong in this league. And I think, I think it's one of those things where you start to get comfortable and you kind of feel like, okay, I, I, I do actually belong. You go from being, you know, a scared little freshman to, you know, okay, I, I can actually hang with these guys. So oh, you know, yeah. that, that leads, one thing leads to another and, and bam, you, you end up on, what, what was the first, what was the first moment where, where you're like, I'm, I'm actually going to get to play. How, how did that all go down? Um, all right. So a guy got hurt going into the sugar bowl and uh, it was 2007. So it would have been, you know, new years of 2008. Um, a guy got hurt uh, a couple weeks before it. And, uh, I remember I went in to go look at the scout team board and I wasn't on it. So I went up to Fab and I said something to him and he kind of, you know, I guess I could say he cussed me out. And he said, did you look at the depth chart for kickoff? Cause you're on it. 
And so I'm sitting here thinking like, is this guy for real? Like, he's just going to throw, you know, and I was still at that time, you know, I was 19 years old. Um, and, and uh, when, you know, you start getting this feeling that you might start in the sugar bowl, you're, you're like, what is going on, man? I mean, we were number one, uh, the, the following year, we were number one team in the country. And I'm over here just like, all right, like what, you know? And so even, even after that, man, the crazy story is they, I didn't even have my own Jersey that cause yeah, I was 16 with Durham, but we couldn't be on the field at the same time. And he also had me on another special team potentially. So they had to take my my um, name and put it on the back of number 17. It was another guy who was hurt. His name was Antavius Coates. So I, I went in there with a New Jersey. I still, to this day, I, I didn't get any credit. Uh, it's not their fault, but I didn't get any credit uh, for tackles uh, during the Sugar Bowl. And I, the first play of the game was that, and, you know, I, I ended up having two or three tackles during the game, depending on who you ask. Rotavius Coates got, uh, got all the, uh, got all the tackles in that game. And he was on, he was on. Oh yeah. I, I literally think that's what happened. Cause I think he said something to me like that. And I was like, well, thanks for letting me, you know, use your number. And uh, I ended up me you know, keeping the same number the, the, my third year. And then eventually, you know, I, I, they switched me to 47, my final two years, um, which I didn't feel like I was worthy of wearing that number because of, you know, guys like David Pollock, especially. And then Andrew Williams yeah. as well. He was a guy I really looked up to who kind of mentored yeah. me as a walk-on and stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a big responsibility with 47 though. And, you know, you know, I, I was there, um, most of my years were there with Pollock. Um, I remember being at that 07 Sugar Bowl, actually. I remember seeing you, uh, seeing you run out there and I was like, wait a minute because I didn't, I didn't know because I, I, mean, I hadn't talked to you in, in a little while and I didn't know you'd made the depth chart. So I, I kind of looked out there and said, Oh, that's Chad. Oh yeah. I, I was going crazy. I was on the front row there. Um, you remember where Colt Brennan, uh, got, got destroyed by Marcus Howard. Oh, absolutely. He got destroyed a few times by Marcus Howard. Marcus the, Howard. The one, the one in the end zone, the one in the end zone was a sack fumble. Oh yeah. Right oh yeah. There. That place specifically, I do. I do. Cause every time they did that, you know, it meant another kickoff. So we had like, you know what, six or seven kick, kick it was 41, 10. I'm pretty sure we had six or seven kickoffs, maybe eight. I don't even know that game. Yeah, I, mean, you I, played I, a lot. I was like, yes, like this is why you know. yeah, keep scoring. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I mean, it gives me goosebumps thinking about it. Yeah. It was a long time ago, but you know, it's still, that that's one of the games that uh, I will never ever forget because of, uh, the fact that nobody knew who I was and it's still a lot of people didn't, but after the game, somebody came up to me and was like, yeah, you, we went out of course. It's new Orleans after the KF we won. Somebody, to, somebody, somebody, somebody came up to me and said, hey, you were on the field. And I was like, I, I didn't know anybody knew I was uh, on the field. <laughs> I, I guess my, I guess my fame precedes me. No, and then you kind of just own number 17, but like, yeah, I mean the, the black you had the black jerseys. It was it was a bowl game. You had that Sugar Bowl logo on you. You know, the, the, there's already a collective chip on y'all's shoulder at, uh, playing against Hawaii. It felt like you guys. Oh I mean, yeah. I, I, I think that team was that team was easily the second best team in the country, and I I think I think it would have been hard pressed to uh, to keep Georgia from a national championship. But, uh, absolutely, you know, so, I, I I said the same thing, man. It's crazy you say that because I say the same th- same thing to this day. If they had the playoff system. Because we, we took a couple losses we shouldn't have taken early on. And, you know, it came down to the SEC championship, us not, you know, being, in, quote, unquote, invited or going to it. And then uh, uh, that Tennessee game. That yep, killed us. That's exactly what it was. And looking back, man, the team just kept getting stronger and stronger as the season went on. And then, you, you know, mm-hmm. when you got a guy like Noshan coming on with fire at the end of the season, especially it just kind of went crazy. 
So yeah, and and the the oh seven season. I mentioned the black jerseys. What was it like in the locker room? Uh, Auburn week when you guys walked in after warmups and saw the black jerseys. Oh, 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 you know, it was crazy. Uh, I was in the stands that game, man. Walk-ons, you know, and, and that's the crazier part, I think, for me personally about playing, you know, or starting in the in the Sugar Bowl and special teams is what, walk-ons traditionally only get to dress out for two games a year, and it's always a home game because they can only travel 70 or, or 90 when you're going to an SEC game away. They, they can mm-hmm. dress like 105, um, and there's 125 guys on the team, so um, I think those numbers are correct, but cause you got 85 yeah. scholarship players and you know, they're all dressing yeah. out. So yeah, yeah you, I, you I, got 85 scholars, uh, one Oh five at home, um, 70 for non-conference road games. Yep. And I think it's like, and I think, I think like that, uh, 80. I, and I don't have any regrets, man. Cause I was, I'm very proud of myself and what I did there. But at the same time I look back and, you know, when looking at a game like that, cause people will ask me, what was it like? And I'm like, man, I, I was in the stands, man. I'm pretty sure I was, you know, uh, yeah. with, with some frat guys or something in the stands, <laughs> just just having having yourself a good old time. Huh? I mean, that's all you could do. <laughs> so, so as as you you know after the Sugar Bowl, you're you're now kind of a uh, you're, you're starting to get more and more responsibility. You're, you're ending up on more and more special teams units, and now you're kind of a fixture. What was kind of talk me through? Let's let's go into story time now, and and let's let's talk about your like what's your favorite games, your favorite moments. Just let's go through some stories. I'd say, you know, when it comes to games, um, obviously, you know, we just talked about the Sugar Bowl. Um, you know, when we played Georgia Tech in, in 2008, uh, we lost that game. So I can't say no game we lost is ever going to be my favorite. But the games we lost were actually the games I actually played the best in, especially uh, Georgia Tech in 2008, Auburn in 2010, when we're up against Cam Newton. I, you know, I that, that was the most tackles I ever had in a game, you know, uh, we're up against the number one team in the country. And, you know, I think I had four tackles on kickoff um, alone and uh, not, not sitting here saying, Oh, look at me, but I'm saying that's, I was so fired up for that game because I knew, you know, growing up, I wanted to go to Auburn. I knew I had a lot of friends in the stands. I knew I had a lot of people who doubted me and all this stuff. So every play for me was like prove everybody wrong. And yeah, it's a, it's not a me game, but going in, you know, when you're on a team, you know, this, you want to do the best you can. You don't want to let anybody Mm -hmm. down. And so, yeah. You know, um, yeah, it's unfortunately lost those games, man. But uh, that, those are the t- two of the most memorable games for me um, personally, um, just because I felt like, you know, we could do something on special teams. We could maybe, you know, help win this game. Alabama 2008, the blackout. Uh, that was yeah. another one where, you know, Fab pulled me and another guy named Zach Renner aside. You know, uh, we ended up blocking a punt or he blocked it. I got destroyed on the play, but, uh, and then (laughs) Prince Miller that like, you know, not too long after had his 92 yard punt return. Um, I I was what you call a dropper. So now it's not Mm -hmm. as common, but they would send me back and I'd go stand by him and make sure nobody touches them. So yeah, I got, I got kind of crushed on, (laughs) on quite a few plays, but uh, you're you're kind of the sacrificial lamb on that, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. And and I'll be honest with you. There's probably only uh I'd say three times where I, I I literally got hit, you know, so hard I'd you know, uh, hit the I would hit the ground so hard it's almost like I popped back up. But uh, at the same time, yeah. you know, I was just doing my job, man. Um, I can't really think of any times where you know I, I looked up and just felt like you know I, I uh, regretted or had any doubts about it. If it came down to me or them, then you know, take me first. I don't want you touching my teammate. <laughs> exactly. You know, that's that's kind of mentality you have to have, especially on special teams, because you know it's that's kind of like a different. 
you know, people talk about offense, defense, but they always nobody ever mentions special teams. It's a completely different mentality. We, you know, I, I coach at Hillwood and um, here in here in Nashville, and we t- we tell our guys that, and I tell guys, and I tell guys your story. There's another kid that I coached uh, at a different school that had a similar story, uh, as far as you know, at the high school level, of course, you know, he was somebody that you know, had a chip on his shoulder, was pissed off that he wasn't playing, and then all of a sudden he'd start showing out on special or start showing out on scout team, and then we find a spot for him on special teams. He'd go down and just decapitate somebody, and so we put him on another special team, and then he keeps making plays, and then all of a sudden we're in our playoff game, and, and he's getting the lion's share of carries at running back. So, um, Yeah, John you know, Fabris was the king of that, man. He said he'd tell the freshman, he didn't care if you're a five-star or what, he'd say, hey, if you want to start here one day, I don't care what star you are if you're a walk-on, it's going to start with special teams because that's where you're going to prove mm-hmm. that, you know, you, you can you, you can do that and, and you know, you're, you're looking at playing. Um, and so that that's what it was like for a lot of the guys. And, um, and, I, and I treated special teams like it was the, you know, best thing on the planet because it was for me. That, that was, I knew my role there. And I think self-awareness played a big role for me as well uh, you know and I, I wasn't the most I was pretty defiant when it came to learning the defensive playbook because uh, you know in my mind I'm sitting there thinking you know I'm I know what I'm here for I know you know um and maybe it, it was the wrong mentality but at the same time you know when, when I, I kind of knew what what I could help the team with and what I couldn't you know and in, in the sense of yeah. you know Saturdays and stuff like Saturdays and Athens. <laughs> yeah I mean at a certain point you kind of realize where 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 your bread was buttered and you kind of just put all your you know, to, and, not to use too many cliches in one sentence, but you kind of put all your eggs in that basket. Oh yeah, and I think you 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 absolutely need to do that at some point in your career, whether it's high school or college. It doesn't mean you know accept your role and like you know don't try to get better, but it means like how can I help the team? What 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 can I do? You know, because yeah. you know there, I, I saw a lot of guys. There there's so many scholarship players that go through the NCAA every year who, you know, they're highly recruited and they end up not panning out. You know, maybe it's because they, they thought they better than they, they they were better than they really were. So a lot of guys who come in with that, you know, kind of inflated ego, um, they don't really try as hard because they think that, you know, they're going to be given this playing time. And mine mm-hmm. was totally opposite. I'm sitting there the whole time just thinking, oh, well, you know, I, I don't I really mean, belong I may here. never dress. Yeah, I don't yeah, belong I don't really here. Belong. Like, let's go. <laughs> yeah, come on. Man. I'm, I'm about to show all these people what, what I'm really about. So, um, so let's talk about. Uh, you know, in the SEC, uh, there's a lot of pride uh, in every fan base. There's a lot of crazy atmospheres. What's the craziest atmosphere? I think uh, 2000, 2008 LSU for sure. Not yeah, as crazy atmosphere. Yeah, probably um, LSU. And then you're looking at the one I probably disliked the most was the Cowbells, Mississippi State. Um, mm-hmm. they just did that the whole time. It was just obnoxious to me. Uh, I actually loved South Carolina because they played techno music the whole time. <laughs> <And so, laughs> That's kind of right up your alley. And huh? so people start dancing in the stands and I'm just like, all right, this is awesome. You know? So, yeah, but yeah, but yeah, those, those atmospheres are wild. And, you know, I think it, it uh, it really kind of, you know, it didn't really matter for me though, man. I mean, every, you know, I knew that the most probably plays I'd play a game, you know, tops when you're looking at, things like special teams, kickoff, punt return. I knew I was looking at 10, 15 plays if I was lucky. So, um, yeah. it, you know, or less. So it really just depended. Well, just even to, just even to be on that, on that field level and just kind of be surrounded by it, you know, it, it kind of takes you, takes you in. So talk to me about Georgia, Florida. Like what was, what was that like? That's a, that's a unique environment. Oh yeah, it really is. Um, it actually, when you, you know, when we go down there, you know, we'll go down there early and we'll stay the night, but they have like a really nice setup. 
Um, uh, it's kind of crazy because sometimes I'd look out there and I'd, or I'd, luckily there wasn't Instagram, you know, that wasn't a thing back then. Cause you know, last thing you'd want to see is all your friends having fun on the beach who, you know, cause mm-hmm. I had a lot of friends who didn't play football. And so, um, I'd always feel like I was missing out, but uh, you know, in, in the sense of like, you know, we're, we're trapped in this, uh, you know, hotel <laughs> cause you know, they're very strict about that, which, you know, I, and that's yeah. one of my things I took pride in. I was very, very strict and disciplined about not partying during the season and, and stuff like that. Yeah. And, and so I mean, you get a bunch of college kids in a place like Athens, you know, oh, it's, it's, yeah, yeah. it's going to be, it's going to be crazy. Yeah. So, yeah. That's, in the biggest, good. they call it the biggest cocktail uh, party or whatever outdoor cocktail world, party. World, so yeah, it, it was uh, very, very, very exciting. You know, playing there, I, I, I still miss it. Um, I mean, heck, I remember Joe. I, I was responsible for jock or blocking Joe Hayden uh, during that game, and the guy ended up being, you know, one of the better corners in the NFL, which I had no first clue round, at the time. First round draft pick, and he's. I think he's kicking around with the Steelers now, right? Yeah, yeah, he's still playing. Yeah, yeah. I actually, uh, I remember punt return. Uh, Fab came up to me and said, "Don't let this guy touch Prince Miller." And I was like, "Okay." Like, <laughs> yeah. And he probably he probably said a few other choice words, right? Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, anything I say on here, yeah, it's a lot more uh, extreme. Um, you know, with John Fabers. Um, and I still, yeah. to this day, I tell people like, you know, the guy, him, him and Mark Gregg, but John Fabers specifically, you know, changed my life in the sense of, you know, yeah. giving me a chance and, you know, it's not looking at, you know, uh, everything from what you were recruited as like, he didn't care. I mean, if you could play um, and, and he would go, I know he would go and research walk-ons. So he's a very special coach. And I, I love seeing and hearing about other coaches that are still out there, you know, who are like that they give guys a chance and they don't just look at on what they think on paper based off their height or their 40 and stuff like that they actually watch them interact on on scout team and things like that oh actually probably probably actually watch them interact with each other with the with the other teammates oh yeah absolutely man yeah and i think that that you know at the end of the day um you know especially being a walk-on i think uh or football in general um you know when you're looking at something like defense special teams, I knew what I was good at. I was good at tackling. And that's the only open field tackling specifically because I think that's one of the hardest things to do outside of maybe playing corner in football is, you know, a guy has the ball in the middle of the field. So that's – I worked on that nonstop with Fab. Yeah. So tell me tell me your best Fab story. What's what, uh, what's the thing that you remember him the most for? Uh, getting to know him on a personal level. Um, cause you know, you got a coach who's out there at practice, you know, who will be in your face yelling, but behind the scenes, you know, in the film room and stuff, he, he invested time in me. Um, and, uh, you know, he, he also wasn't afraid to, you know, call you out in the middle of the room, run up to your face and stuff like that during the team meetings. And, uh, he, and I, I don't think you can talk to many people, anybody who played at UGA who will not come up to who will not tell you exactly how they felt about fab and just about everybody loved him. But in practice or when you first met him, you didn't like him because he was out to test you. He wanted to see, you know, what, what you could handle and what you couldn't handle and stuff like that. Right. That's always important. I mean, that's one thing that, that I strive for as a coach. I, I try to kind of see what kid needs the kick in the butt and what kid needs me to put my arm around him. And, and there's only one way to do that. You just got to test it out. And, and if you, you know, if you kick them in the butt and they don't and they don't respond to it, then then you find out real quick. So that's good. I mean, Fab, Fab is you know you're, you're spot on. Yeah, about it, Fab. And, and 
You know, it really, for me, when you're talking about John Favors, I remember in 2009, um, they came at, you know, I, I, I don't want to get too in depth on this, but yeah, they cleared out the defensive coaches uh, from everybody from the D coordinator, Willie Martinez to John Jancic, the linebackers and then fab. He told me the story about, you know, how it went down and it really tore me up because, you know, my, the guy who gave me the chance uh, to play, you know, was leaving going into my senior year. And, uh, and, and he loved Athens. Like he literally is, he, he would always say a piece of my heart's forever going to be in the city, man. My ghost will always be walking this hallway. And, uh, cause the dude never went home until he, you know, he kind of changed once he had kids, but he was always there. Um, I didn't even, we didn't even know if he ate lunch, <laughs> you know, he, probably um, did. he was so skinny. and so, and so that, that kind of passion, when you see that in a coach and not just, and your teammates too, but when you see that in a coach and how bad they want it, it, it lights a fire under you so yeah they had their doubts uh, one of my teammates vance cuff said man uh uh are you coming back next year i said what do you mean he said well some people thought you were out after fab left and so you know uh, a few months later you know mark Rick called me we we're at i was actually at the lake with daryl gamble it was may mm-hmm. and uh he, he left me a voicemail because i didn't get the call we we're on the lake and he said hey i just want to let you know that i'm offering you a scholarship will you call me back <laughs> oh wow <laughs> and so i That's wish i still had the voicemail but phones have changed so much man i mean back then yeah. i think i had a droid or something i don't even I, I know i don't have the message but uh you know it kind of and i was still going to come back but you know i think that you know uh, coach rick knew that it also took a lot out of me and i, I wasn't you know, yes, the, the team and, you know, any team can go on without one player. It doesn't matter if you're a walk-on or, you know, the, the starting quarterback because guys leave every year in, in college. Mm-hmm. You, know, you don't know if a guy's coming back or not. But, yeah, yeah I think that's what I'm up always. And that's why, you know, my passion, I'll always miss and love high school football the most is because you knew that, mm-hmm. you know, the guys you were there with, they were, you know, they were there. You grew up with those guys, you know, and I'll, mm-hmm. I'll forever love, you know, my experiences at UGA. But it was it was hard seeing some of your good friends who, you know, and I was happy for them who would go on the NFL. But, you know, you look over to the locker they used to be in and they just weren't there the next year. Yeah, and it's just kind of surreal. And um, didn't you go through Pro Day? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I ended up doing Pro Day. What was that like? Um, and I'll be real with you, man. The only reason I did uh, or what gave me the courage to do it was Justin Houston. Uh, he's still playing. He said something to me. Uh, like, hey, man, well, you should try to do this. There's guys in the NFL who made a living off special teams. And I said, well, you know, and I needed that, man. I needed that validation because, yeah. you know, I still, even regardless of, you know, what what I did at UGA, I still needed that kind of confidence because I didn't have it when you're talking about something like the NFL. But I went through with it. I trained. I would go back and forth between Athens and, you know, Fayetteville, you know, my hometown, you know, where you're from, mm-hmm. Fayette County. Oh, yeah. And, and I, would tra- oh, yeah. I would train here and – uh you know, I had a lot of issues. Uh, I'm not going to justify it, man, I'm, or anything like that. But, yeah, I ended up – I did. I performed really well, but the 40, I tore my hamstring again. Um, I had a lot of issues yeah. with that uh, in college yeah. just because, you know, for me, I just want to play. Um, I think I missed two games, you know, for, from the Sugar Bowl to our last game in 2010. Uh, I missed two games. Um, I only missed two games. So I should have missed a lot more. But, you know, I did whatever I had to do to get healthy. And even if it wasn't, you know, 100%. You know, I, I, in my mind, I felt like I could do better than the next guy up. So I was going to play regardless. So it it, 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 it kind of, 
was an amazing experience. I remember, you know, sitting down, I was literally in between AJ Green and Justin Houston. And I literally was sitting there thinking, man, I don't deserve to be in this room because <laughs> they're, they're, they're taking measurements. They're, you know, they're taking your height, all this stuff. And I'm looking up, I'm looking up like at these people, like y'all are so tall. <laughs> y'all are so tall and so big. And yeah, yeah. It's different. It's different when, you know, in practice, you're in pads. It's totally different. But when you're in there and you've got all these people looking at you, you don't know, you got scouts in there and they're just like staring at you. Some of them probably thought and I was the water boy. <laughs> and you're probably sitting in there just in your shorts and. Oh yeah. And, and I, I had no regrets about it though, man. I literally didn't. Uh, you know, I, I thought about, uh, pursuing something like arena but for me um it really came down to i, I knew my body you know i i wouldn't say taking a beating but i knew you know uh, especially back it reaches then. Limit. oh yeah kickoff and things like that so it was a lot different back then than it will be these days like you won't see as many kickoffs and stuff you won't see as many violent hits but i for me yeah. um you know it was never about the money walking on but i knew if i was going to keep playing i wanted to get paid for it because no, yeah. because yeah i love the game you know heart and soul but at the end of the day i, I just didn't think came down to what was worth it and something like arena ball wasn't worth it for me and you know there wasn't there was no NFL E Europe back then. There's nothing like that. They came out of the yeah. UFL, but you know, that didn't last long. So it, mm-hmm. I didn't really have any options. So it's kind of a punch in the gut and, and in the face, you know, when you're, you know, life after the game, I was just talking to one of my teammates today who I used to play with about it and just how hard it is for some guys to adjust. But, you know, you, you're mm-hmm. thankful for everything football's given you, but it's hard to leave it, you know, the camaraderie and all that stuff. Yeah, I mean, you just go from all to none, and, and it's just like very drastic. So I, I can only imagine. So what, you know, what what are some things you did to cope? Uh, yeah, and that was tough for me, man. I went through a very hard time. Uh, I'd say with you know mental health and stuff like that, just because you know you go from like you said being in the spotlight. I wouldn't say you know I was the spotlight. A lot of people probably wouldn't know my name unless they were very you know very kept up with Georgia football a lot. But I, uh, yeah, yeah, it was tough, you know, because I moved home. I still didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, even even today, I know a lot of people go through that. But, uh, you know, with football, you're always told what to do, when to be there, um, how to do it, and things like that. And it's up to you what you want to do with it. But uh, after that, you don't have a schedule. Like, you got to figure out what you want to do with your life. And that was something, looking back, that I wish I probably would have paid more attention to. Because, you know, I ended up getting my business degree from there, but it wasn't uh, an easy adjustment, I would say when you're, when you're talking on the level of, Oh, well, I, heck, I thought I was just going to keep playing football my whole life. You know? Um, yeah. I mean, every, everybody has a dream of oh, yeah. and so play I, football till you retire and then just kind of sit back I, on I your, did not know how to go, man. I ended up, I got a job at the local gym just to, so I could work out there and maybe train and maybe, you know, eventually try to take my shot again. But I remember working at the gym and uh, a couple of people I grew up with were like, dude, wait, you work here now? And I was like, yeah, you know? And so it was humbling in that sense. And I feel like I needed that because, you know, when you go from something like the SEC, it doesn't matter where you go from, man. And when you go from a certain position or job and then you're put into something that you had no idea you were going to be at, um, Mm -hmm. it'll bring you down to earth real quick. So, but uh, it it helped me a lot talking to some of my teammates who were in the same situation, especially some of the guys who literally were getting real looks in the NFL who maybe didn't quite make it or didn't quite make the cut and stuff like that. So um, you'll lose touch with some, but others, you know, you'll always keep up with. Who's the one you keep up with the most? Um, That's a really good question. I'd say Rennie Curran, Richard Samuel, um, Tavares King. Uh, I keep up with Chris Durham a good bit, uh, Aaron Murray. Um, 
and, and Aaron was a lot younger than me, but I was a lot closer with him because uh, I was, you know, the junior when he was coming in. So we, we became very close. And then, uh, you know, because I, I knew Stafford, but I didn't get to know him as well because, you know, he was, you know, Stafford. <laughs> yeah, he was he was there. He was a he was a rental, it seemed like. And uh, he's doing big things and, uh, for the Detroit Lions. But, uh, Chad, before we before we let you go, uh, we're, we're going to, you know, we're, we're, the goal here on on the Believe in Georgia Dogs podcast is to get as many Georgia football alumni. So let's uh, let's get some of these guys. Let's call them out and uh, let's get them on the show and and uh, hear their stories and absolutely you know hear yeah, different no, perspectives. I, I, uh, I'll definitely uh, make sure I reach out to a few of those guys I just mentioned. I know um, I know for a fact a few of them will definitely want to come on here and join you. Um, I really appreciate you having me on here, Corey. Um, yeah, and, absolutely. Uh, I'll definitely be in touch with you uh, here soon uh, uh, when I talk to a couple of them. So, Chad, where can we find you on social media? Uh, right now, only on Instagram. I'm, I'm no longer on, active on Facebook. I think, you know, the, the world's kind of crazy right now. And I, uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm on Instagram. Uh, and that's pretty much it. I mean, every, every other thing I don't, I have a Twitter, but I don't really use it. <laughs> I deleted my Instagram's, whole college. <laughs> Instagram's kind of the thing now, anyway. So, it's probably probably good. So, uh, well, Chad, thanks thanks a lot, man. Uh, great stories, great great insight. I mean, you know, a lot of people don't know what it's like to be a walk on. They just hear walk on, they just assume, and then they just kind of forget about it. So, it's really good perspective to have, uh, so that you kind of understand what those guys go through. So, uh, I do really appreciate you coming on and sharing your experiences. Oh, absolutely, man. And one last thing, if uh, there are any walk ons out there, this story reaches or people who potentially want to walk on. Uh, definitely feel free to reach out to me on uh, Instagram if you have any questions. <laughs> I know that that's crazy, but I'll, I'll tell you that uh, whatever you are expecting, whatever you think you're going to go through, I can you know give you insight into what it what what actually happens. <laughs> but thanks again, Corey. Man, I'll be in touch with you for yeah. sure. Yeah, no problem. And uh, this is the Believe in Georgia Dogs podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. You can catch us on all the social media platforms at believe in dogs uh you can catch me personally at coach burton 36 on twitter at burton.cory on instagram you can also catch the show subscribe on itunes google play spotify stitcher luminary and tune in so i want to thank you and this has been the believe in georgia dogs podcast believe that for the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase it's a culture and the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.